Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. And this week, we're going to give you an old thing that we already did. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, sort of. Like, not really. Um, I mean, we are doing that. All right, so <laughs> it's announcement time. New year. New year of the... And this year is Year of the Beholder. If you didn't guess by the episode title. Yeah, that's true. You would have seen the picture and everything. Yeah, too. but nice. Yeah. <laughs> Still nice. Uh, welcome to the Year of the Beholder, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time to fry you with eye beams Indeed. all year long. And so uh, for the first episode of this year, I wanted to do a revisit of the Beholder. And I decided to go and give our old listen, our old episode, our original one, a listen to and realize it was really good. And so <laughs> episode 29, I didn't man. really want to rehash a lot of things that we said so well. So what we're going to do is we're going to re-release that episode right after this intro. But then we're going to do something we didn't do back then, which we should have done. But we were new at this, so we weren't quite as good as we are now. And we're going to go over the stat block, the layer actions, the regional effects and stuff like that. And then, um, and then, yeah, we'll be kicking off the year here uh, with it's going to be a Beholder episode at least once a month. Yeah, so uh, enjoy our old content. Um, I agreed. I did drop in for a little bit of a listen, you know, kind of spot checking it. Mm-hmm. Um, shows come a long way, but that was some quality stuff, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I agree. Let's not re-say what's already been said, except let's just say what we forgot to say or just didn't say back exactly. then. Yeah, yeah, definitely with it. So. And so if you don't want to uh, re-listen to the episode uh, because you have heard it before, you can just skip to the end and yeah. you'll have new, we'll have new content for you there. There's going to be a visual cue for everybody on YouTube. If you can like scroll, you'll notice a big difference, you know, from the old background to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you haven't checked out our older episodes, if you're like a newer listener, definitely, you know, give it a shot. See, see how it goes. Like, That'll help you consider if you want to go into the back catalog, which I recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, like, if you're recommending somebody to the show, start them with the newer stuff and make them, you know, work their way back. I think that's just probably the safest way. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> the uh, the episode, yeah, you're going to hear our Beholder episode, and then stay tuned to, at the end. We're going to jump into the layer actions and stuff. All right, let's do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. And I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from untamable Umber Hulks to unfathomable undead. That's right, Will. And today (laughs) we're talking about beholders. Prepare yourselves. 
So I'm going to begin this episode the way I begin every episode and say, uh, all right, Brian, what do you know about Beholders? This is what I know about Beholders. Yes, it is on the cover of the Monster Manual. Yes. Because it is such an iconic monster. Um, and sometimes when I'm going to look at other monsters, I see it. Okay, so so <laughs> nothing. You know nothing about the Beholder. Yep. Okay. It's got lots of eyes. It does. It has a total of 11 eyes on average. Most of the um, things I see standing in front of it look Terrified? Pretty, pretty fucked up, yeah. Yeah, okay, because the Beholder's fucking terrifying. <laughs> the Beholder's unlike any other monster that we've talked about at all, even in non-monster episodes. Like, there's no monster we've touched on that is as scary or crazy as the Beholder. But we did a Dragons episode. We did. We did do a Dragons episode, and I would argue that Beholders are much scarier than Dragons. But it's um, called Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, I, I understand that, Brian, but... Some we say it at the beginning of every there, episode. <laughs> there are some things in this in this game that are much scarier than Dragons, although I do like Dragons more. Uh, I will explain to you why Beholders are so much more scary, but before I do that, let's describe to viewers what a Beholder actually looks like and is. Beholders are... Spherical in shape. Spherical in shape. They're like uh, fleshy orb-like creatures that levitate, and they are uh, usually uh, defined by having one giant uh, uh, centered eyeball with a gaping mouth uh, with sharp teeth, and their orbular structure is crowned with... Uh, ten tentacles or eye stalks, each with uh, a large eye in the end. So it's specifically ten. For is beholders, that... it is specifically ten. Okay. And there are other kinds of beholder kin that have have different numbered uh, eye uh, eye stalks or no eye stalks, and there, there's a whole gaggle of beholder like monsters. They're not family though. Like, <laughs> oh, it's beholders are bizarre, and you're gonna hear a bunch of bizarre shit on this episode. So, so their teeth are like that. What's that? Their teeth are sharp. That usually. deep sea creature with that one tentacle. Oh, the, that, uh, the an, like an anglerfish. An anglerfish. Yes, that's it's com- as a common depiction. So literally, the the descriptors that I just listed off are the only things about are the only physical descriptors that are universal among beholders. Because one of the things about beholders is that each beholder is 100 percent unique. Some of them have like a chitinous kind of armor skin. Some of them have a leather skin. Some of them have scaly skin. Sometimes some of their eyes are like lower. Some of their eyes are smaller. Like they vary wildly. Okay, and so let each me. Each one is unique as fuck. So let me get into where, where, not where does the beholder come from just yet? Because I'm okay. sure that's coming. But yeah. are we talking about like one beholder per dimension or world? Or no. are we talking about. No, no. Beholders are, they are technically a race. They do not breed. Um, So there's like a set amount of beholders. No. Okay. So, okay. Well, I didn't want to get into this yet, but, you know, we might as well get into it now. Beholders are incredibly powerful inherently. And they're uh, the only monster that I know of that literally has mental abilities so powerful that they literally can shape reality uh, around them. And okay. this, this expresses itself in a few ways, but the most defining way is that this is how um, beholders reproduce, is that in their sleep, some beholders are very self-obsessed, and sometimes they will dream about themselves. And sometimes they will okay. do this so strongly that it literally conjures into existence an identical or very similar beholder. Oh, shit. If, like the dream warped version of themselves. Yes. Except for sometimes it's identical or it could be wildly different depending on. <laughs> it depends on what they were thinking about in their dreams. Like, for example, if a beholder is worried about one's own mortality um, rather than conjuring another beholder uh, in its vicinity, it will actually transform itself into basically the equivalent of a lich beholder called an eye tyrant. 
that's on like or the, a death tyrant or something yeah like death, that. Tyrant, death right? tyrant right because that's yeah. on the next page like there's yes. there's a twofold Which, and one of them is the beholder yeah. and one of them so, is that so and we'll get into that we'll get into the the death tyrant and we'll get into all the various amount of beholders um but generally speaking the way they reproduce is a beholder will dream very much about itself and it will conjure almost a mirror image or or maybe slightly different so but, it won't do that when it's awake it, it won't because it's involuntary. A beholder does not want to make another one, another beholder. Beholders fucking hate each other. Oh, because okay. they're they're very self absorbed. Self absorbed. So that's okay. something like uh, parallel to dragons. Uh yes. Okay. So let's. We're now going to rewind because we're we're getting towards topics I want to talk about later. Okay. So let's get to back to the beginning, and I want to start with what they share with dragons. So you remember when we were talking about dragons? How we took all these like horrible personality traits and we dialed them to 11 yeah so let's very seven sins ish yes let's take a step back recalibrate and consider dragons our baseline for zero now dial it to 11 again you're gonna have the personality traits of a fucking beholder beholders are hateful they are incredibly xenophobic they are megalomaniacs and prideful to such an extreme amount it's 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 insane, and they are, in fact, very crazy. They are insane oh, creatures. I, I, yeah, I kind of figured them to be like semi mindless, just because of their like their they artistic depictions and stuff. Highly, they are genius level intellect constantly. They are but super intelligent. But they they suffer madness. Their madness comes from um, they are super paranoid. Okay, um, and they are so self obsessed that like it's it, you would consider it madness. But it's not it's <laughs> not like, madness that usually um, inhibits them. It, if anything, it's madness that makes them way more dangerous because they're so paranoid and self-obsessed that like they have literally thought of every scenario possible to take them out because they're constantly worried about basically in a beholder's mind, the whole <laughs> world's out to get them. And like anything that happens is because of them. Like if adventurers wander into their lair, it's because someone's trying to get him assass- him or her assassinated. If like there's some weird ruckus in a kingdom 200 miles away and like it causes a regime fall, it's because someone is plotting something that's going to lead to the death of the beholder. Holy and, shit. Yeah, beholders are that And they can crazy. like mentally string together that chain of events. Exactly. They're like master chess players on crack. And so basically there's almost no scenario that players will be able to come up with to that the beholder won't be literally ready for. It could be like we plan on coming into the beholder. We plan on teleporting into the heart of the beholder's lair on the backs of dinosaurs carrying laser pistols. And I guarantee you the beholder has a plan for that. <laughs> like that's the level of crazy yeah, these you, beholders you are. You come out of the you come out of like the portal that you like jumped in there to. Yeah. And you just like fall right in its mouth. Yeah, it was ready. It was like it was ready. Oh now. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, nom, so nom. so they're uh they're xenophobic, megalomaniacs. Do their eye stocks like turn to like look at itself a lot since it loves I am, itself? I imagine so, but since we're talking about like vision, they, they have a three hundred and sixty degree vision. You cannot sneak up on a beholder. And it's dark vision. They're incredibly highly perceptive. Of course it's dark vision, Will. Yeah, they do tend to live. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it's fifth edition. Everything's yeah, dark everything vision. Yeah, everything has dark, vi- yeah. dark vision. They, they live, they tend to be found deep underground um, in the underdark. Um, but let's also talk about their powers because they are inherently magical as fuck. So um, each of their eye stalks has a different laser beam that comes out of it and there are 10 different beams that can come out of these eye stocks fuck yeah i'm gonna try and remember them off memory without looking at my list which i think i've made i'm not even looking at my notes now um there's a cold beam a fire beam uh a paralyzed beam a charm beam um a petrify beam 
There's a death beam, a disintegration beam, um, shit, uh, a telekinetic beam. Um, Say and poison there's beam. More, and there's no poison beam. What? Uh, they don't fucking need no poison beam, bro. <laughs> well, what there the might f- be yeah. a fear beam. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna now look. Where are my notes? I wrote it down. Uh, fear and and veneration, which I think is just like a force wave. Oh, okay. oh, they have a sleep a sleep beam here. Let's see. So let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it off. Charm, paralyze, fear, slow, and veneration, telekinetic sleep, petrification, disintegration, and death. Okay, so not all beholders have a cold and fire beam. There are v- versions of them that do. Holy shit. Yes. So here's here's how some of these beams work. Okay, I want to talk about the disintegration and the death beam because it used to be back in the day, if you got hit by that, you died. It's save or die. There yeah, is nothing it's, else. It's called a death it's beam. It's called the death beam. Uh, same with the disintegration beam. The way it works now Wait, is, is it death beam and disintegration beam on yeah, this list right now? Two, two, yeah, they're two different beams. Continue. Okay. So in uh, so nowadays, so uh, let's say a beholder fires off a, a death beam at you. It does an obscene amount of necrotic damage. Okay. And if it drops you to zero, instant death. Yeah, no saving. No saving. Okay. Instant death. If it drops you to zero specifically. Um, the exact It works the exact same way with disintegration beam where it's an obscene amount of damage. And if it drops you to zero, not only are you dead, you're a pile of ash now. Like yeah, there's exist. no like, there's no like body recovery. Yeah, there ain't no resurrection spell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's just two of its beams. On top of it, it can bite you, and then it has one more. <laughs> and yeah, also it could bite you. Well, it can't fucking but, kick you. Yeah, <laughs> which okay, so the bite does come into play. You like you think it wouldn't because of all these eye beams, but the reason that the bite will come into play inevitably is because they have one more eye power from their main eye, and it is an anti magic cone. And literally, oh, oh yeah. Also, any, by the way, yeah, yeah. No, they don't fuck around. Probably Everything most effective means of fighting me at range is all magic God. shuts down. Magic items, cleric magic, uh, wizard magic, spells don't work. Nothing magical works within their cone of sight. Super nerf. Yeah, it is ridiculous. They are <laughs> fucking terrifying. Can you imagine like you have like jumping boots or something that mm-hmm. are magical, and you like jump. You, you start your jump and then you enter the cone. Yeah. And then yeah. you just fucking fall. It's exactly what would happen. <laughs> cool. So um, on top of all that. It would be like idiot death beam. <laughs> yeah. Death beam done. Uh, on top, so on top of all that, they have legendary actions because they're a legendary creature. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I think their legendary action is just three random beams go off. Like from its eyes? From its eye stalks, just three random beam, beams. So uh, I was afraid you were going to be like, this thing's got 11 turns because no. it's got 10 eye stalks. Oh my God, can you imagine? Up. That'd be a nightmare. But well, it basically does though because it's yeah. got legendary actions like it, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's three beams go off at random, plus on its turn, I think it can be do three beams. So, so you'd, well, you'd, roll, you'd roll your beams. D10 to make them go off. That's how something. I would do it. Yeah. Um, okay, so on top of legendary actions, uh, much like a dragon, they have... Uh, layers that they live in and in their layers um they get layer actions if you're attacking them there which probably deep deep in the underdark right yeah well usually sometimes sometimes not so deep in the underdark sometimes they live in other places but this is where their reality bending kind of comes into play so as remember i told you when they drain they do all kinds of weird shit well in um while you're fighting them in their lair they um like tentacles will come out of the walls and just grab you 
or like random holes will appear and just all kinds of random like reality that's, bending that's shit. Fine. Yeah. So, you know, word of advice, don't fucking fight a beholder. Like, <laughs> I've never had to fight one as a player and I've never actually pitted one against my players because it's so fucking terrifying. I'm like, yeah, this I don't is really a, got a place for this. This right is now. like a level 15 plus endeavor, I would imagine. Probably like like I don't want to say level 20 because yeah. I've never been level 20 or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. But it's it's up there. It's got to. Yeah. Be. No, it's it's high level shit. Well, like how how do you pit like. How many players would you... What's the challenge rating of this thing, basically? Um, off the top of my head, I don't know, but it's got to be 15 or higher, I how would many, What If you were to set up a combat with a Beholder, how many players would you put up against it, and what level would you expect them to be? Um, Considering I, they had like good, good team composition. I guess I, I would want it to be a five-part deep party, and yeah, probably okay. at least level 12 to 14, at least. At the minimum, I would okay. think. I don't know. I'd have to look at it. Like that sounds it, low you know. to me. And, and but that's the thing when you got five level thirteen. Yeah, that's, like, five, that's pretty brutal. Five but, people but, is a lot. Uh, who's to say? So the Beholder is actually uh, a D and D original. It's not a monster based off any type of mythos or any type of history or any type of, of yeah, mythology. Yeah, like first glance, you'd think it'd be like a Lovecraft kind of import. It is, but it wasn't always. And, okay, uh, but it is definitely developed into that, and because of uh, the Far Realm, which were we'll talk to about right after this the person who invented the beholder his name was rob Kuntz, and he was a player at the inventor of D, gary gygax's table he was he was an avid player and he invented the the monster cool. and it was just supposed to be like a scary monster with obscene powers that yeah, you let me could draw randomly some, fight in a let dungeon me draw some bullshit yeah scared now but <laughs> as things developed over time in D, people want more juicy lore they want that fluff and uh so they started to write it slowly over the course of edition to edition nice and um there are basically two origins that I know about when it comes to beholders. And the first is, uh, from my experience in fourth edition, is that outside of the planes of existence, of the positive and negative realms, the abyss and all that, there is um, something beyond. And it is something beyond physics, beyond understanding. It is a place that, like, if you were to end up there, like, you wouldn't be able to exist there. And like your mind right. wouldn't function or understand what it's seeing. It is a place called the far realm and it is very uh, elder God-esque. It's very Lovecraftian. It's it's uh, of the fifth and sixth dimension. It yeah, is. I'm more familiar with it from the Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. And there's it's I think they call it the primordial soup where like right. life rose out of this nasty. But darkness it's beyond darkness it's it's it will drive you mad if you see creatures from there like with your own eyes yeah things okay like that. so very similar yeah. and and things that come from the far realm are called aberrations and they are usually insane and usually super alien much like the beholder another origin i've seen and i also like is that all beholders are children of uh, a deity level being called uh the great mother and the Great Mother, as far as I've read, is a sentient labyrinth that is infinite, infinite and insane. Okay. And she birthed the beholders. So and sent them into the world. So like a living a living maze. Mm-hmm. Just like Right. Just spit them out. Gonna just uh Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> so yeah, um, those are the two origins I know about, and anything that comes from either this Great Mother or the Far Realm is fucking scary, fucking alien, and ununderstandable. Yeah, man. So, there are different um, iterations of the Beholder, depending on like which campaign setting you're playing in. Uh, Forgotten Realms is pretty standard. It's much just like vanilla D&D. 
Um, Spelljammer is kind of an interesting uh, campaign setting. We haven't really talked about it here on this podcast, mostly because I only know so much about it. But I've heard of it, basically, but it's not something I'm familiar with Basically, either. Spelljammer is like kind of space travel, but not exactly. Basically, it's like interplanar travel on these weird magical ships that like sail across these astral seas, if you will. Cool. And like each plane is um, contained within like this crazy crystal orb. And you can travel through these orbs if you have, I think, a spell jammer, which is like an object. It's like an engine that a wizard can operate or something like that. Nice. Okay. But in Spelljammer, uh, there are like these intergalactic species from what you would excuse me, consider the far realm. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, it'd be things like illithids, like mind flayers or aboliths, I guess. Um, but there are beholders. And beholders are very powerful in Spelljammer. Probably as powerful, if not more powerful, than what I've already described. But they are constantly in intergalactic, interracial species war with each other. That's fun. And it is basically said that they are the most powerful beings in the world. And if they ever stop fighting, the world's fucked. But Oh, because they're going to like not fight each other you yeah. mean, and fight whatever else is. Because yeah. I was going to ask you, like, okay, so the, this, this creature, the beholder, is mm-hmm. just like... Chilling? That doesn't seem no, like... No, no. Okay, yeah. Beholders yeah, there's be usually to keep it spend busy, their right? lives trying to dominate everything around them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They like, hate so... everything. They just, they're so full of hate. Like, they hate, hate, hate. Yeah, and, so uh, you, if you have a campaign setting with a beholder existing mm-hmm. in it, like, it doesn't make sense unless it's something's keeping it busy, right? Yes, and they, well, they're usually keeping themselves busy in their insanity, but oftentimes they are plotting or are are uh, in the middle of uh, their undertaking of plans to, like conquer entire civilizations in secret and oftentimes there are beholders that are running entire cities from like the underdark uh those types of beholders you call um they're not solitary beholders there's like three types of regular beholders one is solitary beholders and they're the ones that keep completely to themselves and hate everything okay i get it okay i can see it because they're so paranoid they're gonna like move the pieces around to like mm-hmm. ha- make it happen externally from them, yes. basically without putting themselves at any risk. Right. Okay. So the one, the, these, these ones are called eye tyrants. That's what they're called, and they have managed to keep their paranoia in check. Okay. It's not gone, and sometimes it'll come back, and it'll come back in waves. But for the most part, they got that under control, and they will deal with other species. They will never deal with other beholders, but they will deal with other species in a tyrannical kind of way. Like, I own you. You do what I say. But they consider any type of disobedience or failure like death. You're oh, done. Yeah. You're death done. beam. Yeah. That. Boom. Done. Um, there is uh, probably the most famous beholder that I can think of that like is an eye tyrant is there is a beholder. I think his name is Xanathar, and he runs a thieves guild in a Forgotten Realm city. I think it's Baldur's Gate, but I don't know. <laughs> my name's Xanathar and I run a Thieves Guild. Yeah. And well, the thing is, he, he runs it in secret and no one really knows who Xanathar is. They just know that he's existed for a very long time. Maybe he's an elf. Maybe he's a powerful archmage. But really, he's a <laughs> beholder. Cool. And he's, been, and he's not, it's like an open secret. So his, uh, everyone who's like reasonably involved with the guild knows. But like yeah. any like outside vendors that they're hiring to do stuff, uh, they don't know. Or yeah, the general the public guild. doesn't know. Yeah. And um, what, also isn't known even by the members of the thieves guild is that xanathar is not the first like he has he has birthed himself and okay remember how i said that beholders in their dreams will sometimes dream them like a copy of themselves just dupe it out well those two will fight to the death and then whoever's left (laughs) takes over but the thing is they both think they are xanathar and they both think the other is the imperfect 
coffee. And they have the same memories yeah. or whatever. Like and they the might prestige. as well be. Yeah. So, so. The, the one that, so would it birth something that's like asleep? Cause I feel like if you like are sleeping and you birth your, your, your equal, mm-hmm. I or whatever, yeah. It's just gonna fucking death beam you right there. Or if it's whatever. awake, I suppose. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. Like uh, sometimes beholders, when they dream another beholder into existence, uh, it happens anywhere within a mile radius. So they might not be close enough to end up seeing each other and fighting to the death. And the one that was birthed just carries on as if he always was. Holy shit! Well, okay. Yeah. This is a new. This is a new segment we're gonna do in the show <laughs> called Fantasy Physics. Okay. Where uh, what will tell tell me? Welcome to Fantasy Physics, everybody. Hello. Hello. Um, my name is Brian. That's okay. Will, that's Will. And um, this is news for me too, guys. Yeah. So. Will, will, what would happen <laughs> if? What would happen if two beholders uh, shot death beams at each other and they collided? I imagine the universe would end, Brian. No, I don't know. I actually, okay. have no, idea. no, that was not a serious answer. Um, like, if they both shot death beams at each other and collided, oh, you mean if the death beams cross? Yeah, if the death beams, you never just, cross the beams, right? So I don't know. Like never, never to cross, Ghostbusters never logic, cross you never cross streams. <laughs> so fuck if I know. Yeah, maybe the universe would end, Brian. I don't know. I have no idea. And this has been the first edition of Fantasy Physics on the Dungeon Cast. Thanks, <laughs> I, I, thanks everybody. I, I hope it was helpful. And with that, we're going to take ourselves a short rest. Yeah, let's do that. I need some water. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. 
Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, be sure to check out Super, Super Quest, Quest Saga. Saga! A future fantasy 5th edition D&D actual play podcast from Brood and Dungeon Mastered by yours truly, me, and Set in Space. And I play in it, along with your special guest Jake and friend of the show, Josh Freeland. You can find it on YouTube, iTunes, or anywhere else you can get your podcasts. Super Quest Saga! up and running so i think we should be not too terrified to delve deeper into the subject i never scared okay all right so uh a major thing i want to talk about when it comes to beholders is like their egomania which is probably the most defining personality trait about them Uh, much like the dragon they think that uh the beholder is the ultimate being in the universe and specifically them as the beholder. Specifically them. I am the greatest being yes, in the universe. They are the ultimate being and all other things must be subjugated. Like period and a story. There is like just no reasoning with it. It's Yeah, like, it's just like, hey, do you have a death beam? I yeah. didn't fucking think so. Yeah, pretty pretty much. <laughs> and uh, they consider they literally consider all other beholders abominations. Like genetically inferior biological abominations like they and they are fucking hateful they will not tolerate another beholder's presence except for one circumstance which is sometimes when the beholder dreams another beholder into reality it dreams (laughs) it was a sex dream it was it was maybe a bit of a happier dream than no i don't know but they they can sometimes give birth to what is called a beholder queen or hive queen and this beholder has an added on bonus power on top of it all where they can literally uh, subjugate other beholders under their thrall. Why? And they form these beholder nests. Why? I don't know. I would imagine that um, it's a beholder who dream who has so much hate for all the other beholders that it wishes it could just fucking dominate them and thus transforms itself into a hive queen, which I'm then can do so. I'm mostly just in denial. Oh. Yeah. What do you need that for? Need, because they're fucking Because Beholder Army, that's why. Yeah, because Beholder <laughs> Army, that's why. And they're Sick. fucking scary. That's a really cool plot thing. Yeah, that that, that actually is. That'd be really We have cool. to get to the queen. <laughs> God, I can't fucking imagine. Ah, death beam. So many beholders. Ah, okay. They told you not to cross the street. So many death beams. <laughs> um so let's talk about a little bit about where they do live because they do tend to live in the underdark. Sometimes they live in like sewerways. They, they they tend to like to live in remote places where other people can't bug them because they hate everybody. Yeah, that's fitting. Um, but more most commonly they are in the underdark, and the way that they their layers are set up is actually really fascinating to me because it's not uh, intuitive to any other layer building of any other monster. It's because they levitate. They don't build their uh, their their homes like in a horizontal pattern. They have ups and downs like they'll have a room and then a passage, which is just a hole in the ceiling that they float up. And then there's another room. So picture like this 3D grid that's super hard to traverse because you're not a fucking beholder. Like the Death Star if it didn't have like floors. Exactly. There we go. I like that. Yes, very much so. (laughs) A beholder would love the Death Star. It'd be like, I love this place. So, so yeah. I just prop myself in like the satellite opening and I'm the, I fire the beam. Exactly. It's a death beam. So they have these bizarre layer setups and the way they actually build these things is with their disintegration. I mean, they just 
And, and that makes sense. Whole passages, bam, done. And because of because of <laughs> this, this, this passage will be also cold. Yeah, there cold you go. beam. There, well, okay. So there are the types of beholders that have the cold and fire beams. I believe are literally called uh, eyes of flame or eye of flames and eye of cold, eye of ice. That that's what they're called. That's the kind of beholders. I'm, get, they are. I'm getting what you're. Yeah, what you're and they're saying. basically like a frost beholder or a fire beholder, and yeah, you get it. So moving on, they are also uh, some consider them to be terraformers of the underdark like the underdark wouldn't exist if they weren't there constantly that's some good mythos i thought that was really cool yeah i'm just gonna make this shit and then i'm gonna just pick this spot yeah burrow up there you go so after i read that i was like hmm okay i'm grabbing that that's that's definitely the truth of my world beholders are definitely down there building the underdark fuck inadvertently they're just doing it um do you got any questions i want to move on to um a couple other things but if you have any uh, questions we'll answer them now my main question now is are you going to kill us with a beholder when it's we get possible. back to your game. If you guys make me angry <laughs> enough, it might happen. No, Start asking NPCs like, names. I, as a, as <laughs> or I will stick the beholder upon you. Yeah. As of right now, I have no plans for a beholder, I'll tell you that. As well, you of, just made some, now, it sounds like. Well, I mean, I, it's definitely like plan Z. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like Throw a game. beholder at him. There we go. Uh, my, okay, so I don't, I'm sure we're going to get into the Tarrasque one day. Mm-hmm. Super cool. But mm-hmm. how do they match up against each other, the beholder and the Tarrasque? Uh, well, the Tarrasque is like... It's a fucking anomaly. Yeah, the Tarrasque is such a force of nature that'd be like, what if the planet wanted to just kill everybody? Like, is the planet a monster? Yeah, I guess in that case. (laughs) That's much like the Tarrasque is. It's like a a moving, it's like Godzilla. Right. It's just like, you you can't fight it. I mean, you can if you're like a bunch of level 20s that have access to the wish spell and a bunch of other bullshit, which is weird to me because I don't like the idea that like there is... A, a very specific way a monster has to be killed. Like you have to do X amount of damage to it and like <laughs> get it to like yeah. fall asleep and then use a wish spell to kill it. But then it doesn't actually die because the Tarrasque can't die and it just burrows back into the earth to sleep for another fucking 10,000 years. I need a Superman regenerate. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the Tarrasque. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Well, well hold on. Okay. So it, it, the beholder doesn't match up. No, it just couldn't. So what about your best like ancient dragon? I see now that would be a fight I'd be interested in seeing. Here's the thing. Okay, I think this is just my personal opinion. If you put an ancient red dragon and a souped up beholder in a room together, just pop them into existence next to each other, I think the red uh, dragon has a really good shot of walking away from this with a win. Okay. Mostly because it can get on top of this fucking beholder. It's a lot bigger than the beholder and it can claw teeth. And I don't think the anti magic field works on the breath. Because I think Ooh. the breath isn't considered magical. I could be wrong on that. So dragons are like inherently magical though, right? They are. Okay, fantasy physics. We're back. <laughs> okay, all right. We're back. Fantasy okay, physics. No. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Okay, what happens to like the dragon's inherent magic in like a field like that? Okay, so uh, it shuts down. It like the dragon can't cast spells and all the like the elemental That's effects. Nasty. Yeah, those those won't work. But the breath, I believe, still works. Okay. Um. So I think in that case it would work out. But if you had an ancient red dragon and like a powerful beholder that are plotting against each other and readying. It's it's like the Batman versus Superman thing. Oh, if yeah. Batman has time to prep. He's he's probably going to win. But if there's no prep time, he's fucked. Yeah. That's kind of like how in I the see room it. with like a fucking immovable yeah, object. Or exactly. Whatever. So that's how I see it. I see if 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 they have time to plan, the beholder's going to fucking win. There's no fucking way that dragon that dragon will never even get within a mile radius of that beholder before it dies. Like, Fuck. yeah, that's but that's just my opinion. It can happen. 
in many ways, I'm sure. Yeah, who knows how it would go down. It's up to you, DM. So sometimes uh, beholders are so crazy that they literally have split minds, like two active genius intellect minds that hate each other. Cool. And are constantly plotting against each other. (laughs) Okay. And um, they can talk to each other, but it's confusing. They're just crazy. They can look at each other. Uh, yeah, they can look at each other. <laughs> Their like eye it's, it's super confusing, and I don't even understand how it works. <laughs> but that's a thing. I read it. It's a thing. They just like super suffer um, from men- mental illness. Uh, a lot of times, yeah, they do. A lot of times, they are um, actively at war with uh, drow or mind flayers because those are powerful uh, creatures that they compete also for space. Sh- yeah, they compete for space. And like, um, as as smart as a beholder is, I I think that. Um, numbers is an issue numbers is an issue but also mind flayers are super intelligent and they have like an elder brain that they answer to right which has like the intellect and memories of a thousand mind flayers across generations of time so who's smarter there i don't don't fucking know so (laughs) semantics so let's talk about the different kinds of beholders we talked about solitary beholders eye tyrants uh we talked about uh beholder hives and their uh, hive queens uh, we talked a little bit about death tyrants, and when uh, Beholder becomes a death tyrant, it basically its flesh rots away, and it becomes like a floating skull. And replacing the eye stalks are like these uh, points of light that follow it and have the same powers and shit. And it okay, so death tyrants are fucking scary because um, they looks the art is scary. If a death tyrant kills you, you will resurrect as a undead thrall. Oh, fuck. And okay. Unlike other undead thralls that like a necromancer or a vampire or Draco Lich kind of creates and controls. Some zombies. Um you are enthralled forever. <laughs> There's no way to unenthrall you, and it takes zero effort on the death tyrant's behalf. Meaning that they could literally raise armies of hundreds of thousands of undead over time. And have no problem controlling them all. Meanwhile, a necromancer or Draco Lich has a very limited amount of concentration and, and magical ability. Yeah, it takes a lot of yeah. stress on them so, to get a, like limited control. Yeah, over death tyrants are terrifying. Things. Yeah, that's fun. Um, there is um, a beholder uh, called a death kiss, which is if the beholder has recently gotten to a fight uh, where it was like uh, wounded very very badly, or if it perhaps uh, got into a fight with a vampire or something blood related in their dreams if they have too much too strong of a dream about like blood they might transform themselves or give birth to what's called a death kiss now they're smaller than normal beholders um and they lose their mouth which is why they're smaller and they're just one circular eye and all of their eye stalks transform into these tentacles with like suckers at the end of them and at the end of these tentacles are uh, with these suckers. These suckers are how they talk. Their mouths. So they have like ten mouths. That's nasty. And they are completely consumed with the thirst for blood. And that's all they do. That's all they just nasty. hunt around the underdark, sucking the blood out of everything they come across. Nasty Vampire boys. beholders. Yeah. Okay. There are uh, spectators, which are they like to watch the blood sucking. <laughs> no, no. But uh, they're <laughs> they just follow this thing around. They only have four eye stalks, and they're much smaller than a beholder, and they're also not evil. They're uh, usually lawful neutral or chaotic neutral, and they can be summoned by wizards. And there's like a ritual where uh, when you summon a spectator, it is bound to uh, guard whatever room it is you summon them in for 101 years. And then it disappears. And then you can summon another one. But like because of their constant solitude and being tied to a a particular location, they usually go absolutely batshit insane just over time. 
solitary yeah, okay. confinement. Just yeah. like thinking about whatever. Yeah. yeah, they're usually like crazy. There are um, trying to think because um, my notes don't have any other shit on them. So uh, there are there's a I think they're called gazers. And they're like little mini beholders that lack any actual intelligence or ability to speak. They're but just like the physical magical embodiment parts. Like they just shoot the death beam. I don't know. I don't think they have the beams, but they're like little mini beholders, like maybe yay big. And they, they mimic f- speech. Anything they hear, they'll just mimic. And uh. they just, they're annoying little shitheads that follow the beholder around. But usually the beholder, because it is a literal um, uh, copy of itself, like in miniature form, like ends up keeping it as a pet and they'll have these little minion gazers running about when it gets hungry it'll yeah. just there there is a version of a beholder called a goth which ha- is it looks like a standard beholder i think except for it only has six or eight eye stalks and some tendrils that fall from its chin or whatever and around its one big eye it's got a bunch of little eyes and it is semi-mindless and is obsessed with devouring magical objects. Oh, and that's it hunts cool. hunts the world just eating magic shit. That's fucking dope. Don't get in its way because it'll kill you. Yeah. And, um, and there are there are even more Beholder Kim, which we can get into another time. But do you have any other questions about Beholders? I just like how they're all like they could explain like uh, like deficits of magic items in your world. The, uh, the creation of the Underdark. Like, that's actually true, yeah. Like the... Like they're running a they're running a city in your campaign and nobody knows about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like you're like oh there's just a lot going on here yeah yeah absolutely holy crap so they are are they more or less involved than dragons and like the meddlings of um uh, I varies on world plane. to world um it's hard to say because both both dragons and beholders like to keep them fucked selves. I hate everybody think they're the best thing on earth yeah um, it seems like you got a lot of these big like. Depending on your the way you're going to run your campaign, but if you want to just like import the monster manual into your setting, you're going to have a lot of things that act this way competing for the same prizes and stuff like right. that. That's true. So they, they like eventually they might get any like I can imagine dragons getting in each other's way. Oh yeah, it happens. Yeah. yeah. So like, why not like the other creatures like the beholder and stuff and like. Yeah, beholders are often warring amongst themselves. How involved they're getting in the in like the lives of like mortals and civilization. I think it's fairly limited, mostly because they're too busy either being crazy solitary. Yeah, they're keeping themselves busy in and their like brain. Holding themselves up. Yeah. Or warring with each other or in the underdark, warring with the drow or or whatever. Um, but I mean, wouldn't that be a cool concept if the beholders like like decided to call a fucking truce with each other and like after they've conquered the world, then they'll go to war. Like, so you just have like literally thousands of beholders coming from the underdark and they're here to take over. That'd be crazy. Look, we're all worried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's just handle it. And then we can worry about less. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that'd be terrifying. Um, but yeah, uh, if you have no more questions, I would like to answer, um, our, our listeners question, uh, Jack. Yeah. We're, cause we're going to have, uh, other, like how we're gonna do more dragon episodes. We're gonna. Oh do yeah, more we're, yeah, we're definitely gonna have more beholder episodes. I want to do a beholder episode where we talk about strictly beholder kin. We'll get into the lore of like death kisses, death tyrants, goths, gazers, spectators. It would be cool to run a one shot with like high level characters that like just build a beholder encounter, basically. That'd be cool. Like build a beholder dungeon. Yeah, because like yes, you don't need any more story than you guys are coming in here to kill this beholder. Yeah, you, you found out about this bad shit. Yeah, I like that. That would be fun to run. Yeah, and definitely. then you, we get some 
some experience because I would like some experience with like some of these creatures, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I know a lot about the Beholder, but have I ever fought one? No. <laughs> It'd be cool, like, because, uh, like, just to get that hands on, because right. you know, you got to go. Probably that's the end of the campaign, most likely. Yeah, maybe, or yeah. at least the end of a major story arc. Yeah, uh, I mean, but likely. either way, you're, it's going to take some time. Yeah. I, I, you know, even at high levels, like you run into a Beholder, it's time to fucking run because, oh. like, it, they're scary. Like, oh, they're yeah. legit. They're player killers. It sounds like it. Yeah, they have a thing called Death Beam. So I don't our, know if you guys heard about the yeah, death, beam. death, death and disintegration. So our uh, our listener Jack uh, sent in a question, and his question was: I I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to remember it uh, verbatim as best I can. Use your brain. Um, I'm going to use my brain power. Um, and he was basically saying that he was setting up an adventure for his his party, where a beholder had kind of taken over a town in secret, like in the underground, and basically he was running these. Uh, the entire town, they were under his it's his thrall, the Beholder's thrall. Okay. So he wanted to know what we thought about that, and he also had a question about he had a, an Is that kind of like a cult thing that we're talking about here? Um, Well, it could be. Which, or is it more like a mental, like, I've I've hypnotized all of you? It could also be that. Okay. Yeah. He, he wasn't specific, but I think we'll, we'll approach the question from both those angles. Okay. I mean, he also had this very specific question about um, the townspeople attacking the party. Because they're under That's the thrall. That's a big fight. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, so first off, cool fucking idea. I love the idea, again, of Beholder, like, taking over a town and, like, running it in secret and whatnot. And the players having to fucking deal with that. And, uh. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I like the idea of it being, like, a thrall thing. Uh, and what it reminds me of is, is a creature called the Abolith, which does that very blatantly. Um, so if. You like if you like the idea, Jack, but you, maybe the beholder doesn't feel right to you. I would definitely look into the abolith because it is literally it literally does what you're talking about. But I don't see any reason why the beholder wouldn't be interested in doing that as well. Yeah, man, just plug and, it, plug it in. Yeah, absolutely. And as for the the concept of like these random commoners under the thrall of this beholder attacking the party, that's actually a really cool encounter because it puts the players, depending on who they are, in an interesting position. Like. Are they if they are truly good players? Like they're not going to want to kill no. They're not going to want to kill these yeah. townsfolk. Like especially if they sense that it's a thrall. So how are they going to get out of this? I was thinking about the. I was yeah. thinking about your guys' the the party yeah. I, I DM for. Yeah, like, like D'Artagnan, my character. Split. Yeah, you yeah. Start, he would just start murdering. You people. and Digo would just yeah. start hacking. It's and true. Selfie too. Yeah, it's true. Well, and Archibald and, would be like, no. Archibald and Evan. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they'd be so. like, yeah, what? What are <laughs> yeah. you doing? No, wait. So so you put your party in a, in a very interesting situation, and I I'd like to know how that plays out because depending on the party composition and their personalities like it might be a slaughter fest or they might end up having to give up and run the fuck away yeah like, approach with yeah. stealth or something or or come up with some super complex creative like uh resolution to the to the to the situation now so i think i think it's a cool idea i think it's we cool. won't kill them we'll just cut off their food supply yeah they're waited well, out uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so uh so i think it's a cool idea and it sounds like you think it's a cool idea oh and, yeah uh, absolutely yeah. um it reminds me of um in the to bring up dark tower again it's the very first book the gunslinger they they go and spoilers they he goes the gunslinger goes to a town and the town is like under the manipulation of a man he's pursuing who has told the town like hey um the the interloper is coming he's behind me Okay, bye. And then they all like basically fucking attack him. No it, shit. So he there's it's a town of like forty two people, I think it oh, is. Oh crap. And he ha- yeah. he, he kills them all. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. I didn't think about like the numbers game here. Yeah. What if the whole town attacks the players and it's like a hundred or two hundred deep town? Like, what the fuck do you do? You gotta yeah. I mean, numbers is important. 
Numbers yeah. is very, very important yeah. in D&D, and that doesn't sound like a fight you're going to win. Yeah. Even if they're a bunch of weaklings and they take one hit, yeah. you don't you don't know. Also, also, if you do win that fight and you do kill a lot of townspeople, I mean, chances are they're not going to be able to do anything about the beholder. And the postman like, from the next town rolls in yeah, a few hours how later. How do you explain that? How do you explain <laughs> that to the fucking king? How do you explain that to anybody who gives a shit? Like, these party, this party of adventurers just showed up and slaughtered a whole town. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. <laughs> it was like a fucking crazy episode so, of CSI. I know, right? So, so I, I think it's a really CSI. cool idea, and I think the way it could go, like, it could change the course of a campaign. So, uh... So yeah, yeah, cool idea, cool idea, Jack. I like I it. Definitely want to know what happens with that. Yeah, yeah. Follow up, please. Let us know. And uh, other than that, I think I'm ready to end this episode. Like, I'm really sick of talking about uh, giant eyeballed monsters. Yeah, they don't have legs. It freaks me out. Yeah. Let's call it a game. We're gonna call it a game, guys. Thank you for listening. It's Will and Brian from the more present sort of. <laughs> from, we've returned from the now. Now. Do you remember the the us from the beginning? It's <laughs> that was us a long at, time ago. That was like 40 minutes that ago. That was pre 30, Will. That was. Pre- <laughs> <laughs> so I think same here. Uh, anyway, but um, we're here again for to tell you more stuff about the Beholder. Well, uh, including like its stats. Should yeah. I read the stat block first or the lair? Actions hey, man, first? that's up to you. Do you want to start at the region, the lair, or the Beholder itself? Let's start with the big ball of eyes. Okay. Um, since that's what's on top of my stack of paper here. You got a lot to read. Yes. <clears throat> the Beholder is a large aberration of lawful evil with an armor class of 18, natural armor, hit points of 180, and a speed of 0 feet, but a flying uh, flying speed of 20 feet, which is uh, listed as hover. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Kind rather of slow. slow yeah. Really, yeah. I suppose it doesn't need to Just move like quickly. creeps, you know, mm-hmm. like a, like a um, Friday the 13th sort of vibe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, saving throws, intelligence plus 8, wisdom plus 7, charisma plus 8. It's a creature of the mind for sure. Yes. It just basically is a big mind. <laughs> uh, skills, perception plus 12, condition immunities prone, senses dark vision 120 feet, passive perception 22, languages deep speech, yikes, and under common. Uh, challenge rating is 13, pretty stocky. Uh, I admit, I skipped the ability score, so we're going to go 10 strength, 14 dex, 18 con, uh, 17 intelligence, 15 wisdom, and 17 <coughs> charisma. Pretty high back I've, on those brain stats. I back feel there. like the intelligence should be a 20, um, just canonically with the lore. But, I know, like they're what paranoid geniuses. Yeah, Maybe they're exactly. so smart, they damage themselves. Yeah, sure. We'll optimally. Go, we'll go with that. Yeah. You think so hard that you became dumber slightly. <laughs> Let's talk about the anti-magic cone, which yes. I remember is part of the center eye. Yeah. Oh, which is fucking, maybe I should just read the thing because it says that. The, <laughs> the beholder's central eye creates an area of anti-magic. As in, an, as in the anti-magic field spell in a 150-foot cone. At the start of each of its turns, the beholder decides which way the cone faces and whether the cone is active. The area works against the beholder's own eye rays. That's cool because mm-hmm. I was thinking about that earlier today. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's got its magic cone out, can it fire through it? <clears throat> That's dope. No, no. Makes sense. Actions. Bite. Fuck. Melee weapon attack. Plus five to hit. Reach from five feet. One target. It's going to do 14 or 46 piercing damage. It's probably never going to bite you unless it's fi- it finds desperate. itself grappled. Yeah. And yeah. it's desperately trying to get away. Um, nom, nom. <laughs> going to eat you. He could, like, the bite looks like it's going to fuck you up. That's not a bad if, amount of piercing. Yeah. 46 isn't too shabby, but it's a challenge rating 13 creature. So. Yeah. 46 wouldn't do shit against you guys in Super Quest. True. High level. Um, let's talk about the eyes and their rays. The beholder shoots ten of them. <laughs> the beholder shoots three of the falling magical eye rays at uh, random, so you re-roll duplicates, which I'm assuming in the same turn. Yeah, it's like the same eyes not letting off two blasts because you know that doesn't make sense yeah. action economy wise for no, Dungeons and Dragons. It, it does not. Um, so choosing one to three targets, it can see within 120 feet of it. 
cool, very far. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes up for the speed thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be close. It doesn't want to be close. No. Because it can do this. Number one, Charm Ray. The targeted creature must succeed on a DC 16 wisdom saving throw or be charmed by the beholder for one hour or until the beholder harms the creature. Mm-hmm. Damn. So you could charm somebody and just kind of let them let be. Mm-hmm, Don't mm-hmm. shoot elves. Uh, number two, Paralyzing Ray. The targeted creature must succeed on a DC 16 constitution saving throw or be paralyzed for one minute. The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself on a success. Number three, Fear Ray. The targeted creature must succeed on a DC 16 wisdom saving throw or be frightened for one minute. The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself on a success. Number four, Slowing Ray. The target creature, the targeted creature must succeed on a DC 16 dexterity saving throw. On a failed save, the target's speed is halved for one minute. In addition, the creature can't take reactions and it can it can take either an action or a bonus action on its turn, not both. The creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself on a success. Um, do you have any comments or questions? So far? I, I, my comment would be like a fight with a beholder is like this emotional roller coaster. Of oh, like yeah. Fear, paralysis, and charm. and Doing saves, which is yeah. like at a high level, which yeah. these characters probably would be to fight this thing, are mm-hmm. detrimental mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. to your pallies and stuff. And then and then we haven't even gotten to the damaging rays yet. I think I'm about to. Yeah. Number five, Enervation Ray. The targeted creature must make a DC 16 constitution saving throw, taking 36 8d8 necrotic mm-hmm. damage on a failed <laughs> save or half as much on a successful one. So you're guaranteed some damage with this ray. Yeah. Number six, telekinetic ray. If the target is a creature, it must succeed on a DC 16 strength saving throw or the beholder moves it up to 30 feet in any direction. It is uh, restrained by the ray's telekinetic grip until the start of the beholder's next turn or until the beholder is incapacitated. So this is pretty much like the spell, like telekinesis. Right. Okay, cool. Just move. No, you stand over there now. Ooh, uh, I forgot to read. If the target is an object weighing 300 pounds or less that isn't being worn or carried, it is moved up to 30 feet in any direction. The beholder can also exert fine control on objects with this ray, such as manipulating a simple tool or opening a door Dang. or a container. So we can open a can of Coke. Mm-hmm. Although, like... <laughs> it can open a can of Coke, it's true. <laughs> All right. Number seven, sleep ray. The targeted creature must succeed on a DC 16 wisdom saving throw or fall asleep and remain unconscious for one minute. The target awakens if it takes damage or another creature takes an action to wake it. This ray has no effect on constructs and undead. Damn, dog. Mm -hmm. Don't go to sleep, homie. What are you doing? (laughs) What's up? It's not a choice. It's an eye beam of power. So what's the flavor on here? Can you see these beams being fired? I believe so, yeah. Because a sleep beam that you can't see is like... Hey, ho- hey, dog! Can you fucking get up? We're in the middle of something here. Um, that guy just narcolepto pass out right now. I, I'm pretty sure all these uh, rays are quite visible. Okay, yeah, I mean that makes sense. They're, yeah. they're like lasers. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, number eight, petrification yeah. ray. The targeted creature must make a DC 16 dexterity saving throw. On a failed save, the creature begins to turn to stone and is restrained. It must repeat the saving throw at the end of its next turn. On a success, the effect ends on a fa- uh, the effect ends. On a failure, the creature is petrified until freed by the greater restoration spell or other magic. That's troublesome. Mm-hmm. It's just like one of your dudes just turns to stone. Yep. Great. Mm-hmm. See you after the like, fight. One guy turns to stone. One girl's running in fierce. He fell asleep. That person <laughs> got hit by a veneration ray. This person just stopped moving. Like, Wake up, Kyle. <laughs> Wake up, please. Yeah. And so, they would because yeah. that's what you needed it's to do. It's a horror show. Fighting a beholder is a horror show. Yeah. You throw a fireball at it. It just fucking bounces off. Yeah. Like, what, what happens? It, uh, 
It just stops working. Yeah. It just fails. It just all, all things fail. That'd be cool. You fu- you shoot the fireball and it just like yeah. smoke. There you go. There goes <clears> your <throat> spell slot too. Yikes. Where was I? Disintegration I race next. That's right. Number nine, disintegration ray. If the target is a creature, it must succeed on a DC 16 dexterity saving throw or take 45, 10d8 force oh, damage. Oh, God. If this damage reduces the creature to zero hit points, its body becomes a pile of fine gray dust. You could probably sell it for a lot of money to like a, you know, like peddling it as drugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sniff this body. If the target is a large or smaller non-magical object or creation or creation of magical force, it is disintegrated without a saving throw. Oof. If the target is a huge or larger object or creation of magical force, this ray disintegrates a 10-foot cube of it. Ooh. Okay. Permanent damage. So, uh, 10 death ray, the final ray. Uh, <laughs> the targeted creature must succeed on a DC 16 dexterity saving throw or take 55 10d10 necrotic damage. Target dies if the ray reduces it to zero hit points. So normally in Dungeons and Dragons, you have to go negative your full hit points to die. Yeah, but like this on is the a death ray. Or fail. This ray specializes throws. in death. But this will just make you dead. Yeah. Without those mechanics. It exactly. bypasses them. Very true. Uh, legendary actions. The beholder can take three legendary actions using the eye ray options below. It can take only one legendary action at a time and only at the end of another creature's turn. The beholder regains spent legendary actions at the start of its turn. Mm-hmm. So... So it's popping off six rays around. Yeah, the beholder uses one random eye ray. Is what, yeah, this is the, the options that. listed below. And it can go, it can do it three times. That's fucking cool. Till it's next turn. So the potential here is to take uh, 36, 55, 45 damage is the potential in one turn if you get hit with. If one person gets hit with all these damaging rays, you can like really deplete some HP. Oh, yeah, definitely. Everything else it seems like it's a status effect. So we got Yeah, three... but, so, but a lot of them are pretty devastating. Oh, absolutely, are, yeah. You stop moving, or you run the other way, or you fall asleep, or you turn into stone. Relinquishing so. turns um, to enemies in Dungeons & Dragons is, like, really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for one or the other, you know, mm-hmm. depending on who's on the not failing their turn uh, end of stuff. Yeah. How about we move on to the lair? Let's do it. So I think we talked about in the episode how most of their lairs are like mazes that they dig out pretty yeah, much with their disintegration rays and stuff. And they're not stuff. necessarily like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They they can be laid out in any in a full 3D spectrum of direction because mm-hmm. they can float in any direction. Right. So, so like, you have a... It you, might be a full vertical dungeon. Yeah, he's playing 3D chess with you mm-hmm. and doesn't give a fuck about you. Sure. He wants you not to climb this 100-foot hallway. You have to right. find a way. Exactly. Which... Uh, yeah. Good Warlock. luck. Yeah, warlocks can. Uh, let's see. So in the lair, lair actions. When fighting inside its lair, a beholder can invoke the ambient magic to take lair actions. On an initiative count of 20, losing initiative ties, the beholder can take one lair action to cause one of the following effects. A 50-foot square around uh, square area of ground within 120 feet of the beholder becomes slimy. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. The area is difficult terrain until initiative count 20 on the next round. Walls within 120 feet of the beholder sprout uh, grasping appendages. Mm-hmm. Mm, love those. Until, These reality-changing powers they have. Until initiative count 20 on the round after next, each creature of the beholder's choice that starts its turn within 10 feet of such a wall must succeed on a DC 15 dexterity saving throw or be grappled. Escaping requires a successful DC 15 strength athletics or dexterity acrobatics check. Yeah, do some fucking acrobats to get out of this this shit. I'm I'm more whenever I see that I think it's more like contortion based, like yeah. flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh an eye op- like not backflips. Uh, an eye right. opens uh, on a solid surface within 60 feet of the beholder. One random eye ray of the beholder 
uh, shoots from that eye at a target of the beholder's choice that it can see. The eye then closes and disappears. So that's a that's a seventh eye beam within a round. Yeah, it appears and says, get fucked. But yeah. he doesn't say it. He just looks at you and you know. Yep, yep. Um, and then you might get shot. Mm-hmm. The beholder can't repeat any uh, can't repeat an effect until they have all been used, and it can't use the same effect two rounds in a row. That's kind of an interesting caveat. Yeah, it's got to kind of cycle through everything, yeah. which is cool. I mean, yeah. keeps things interesting. I like that. I feel like it's um, Jiraiya does this. He like puts uh, Itachi and the the shark guy in like that hallway with mm-hmm. in the side the frog gut. It's like all slimy walls and stuff. It's like changing. It's like reaching out and grabbing. It's literally it's literally this. Now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. So regional effects: a region containing a beholder's lair is uh, warped by the creature's unnatural presence, uh, which creates one or more of the following effects. Creatures within one mile of the beholder's lair sometimes feel as if they are being watched when they aren't. When the beholder sleeps, minor warps uh, minor warps in reality occur within one mile of its lair and then vanish 24 hours later. Marks on cave walls might change subtly. An eerie trinket might appear where none existed before. Harmless slime might coat a statue, and so on. The beholder's dreaming. N- yeah, <laughs> makes, makes all the ground yucky. Mm-hmm. Um, these effects apply only to natural surfaces and to non-magical objects that aren't on anyone's person. If the beholder dies, these effects fade over the course of 1d10 days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My mouth. That was a lot of talking. That was a lot of talking, a lot to read. We got but through yeah. it. So I think that highlights again the devastating power of their eye beams and the, um, how, do, how do I say it? The, uh, not nonsensical, but the bizarre nature of the reality the abstractness of it all yeah you know they 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 can alter their reality uh, both consciously and subconsciously melting clocks on tree branches exactly. long-faced people yeah sure that <laughs> things of that nature <laughs> indeed uh okay so that yeah beholders are, are fucking creepy i can't wait to talk to, about them all year but is that yeah, it we got a lot right of different now? kinds yeah that'll be it for right now we can get ready for our long rest but yes for the rest of the year we'll have a specialized beholder every month yay okay Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Long Rest. And behold, Will, uh, fun, fun fact about beholders. Did you know, I know you did your research for this a long time ago, so maybe you forgot this one, but did you know that um, beholders may grow and use more than 20,000 teeth in their lifetime? Is that true? It's true about great white sharks. Oh, okay. That's what I thought. It didn't sound like a beholder fact to me in all my reading. Behold. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's talk about... Um, Patrons, um, we're gonna we we're gonna shout everybody out from like November, so you might get a double. Hopefully, we get everybody. Because November we've been, and December, November and December. We're yeah, finishing off twenty twenty four. We're just good. gonna finish off twenty 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 Patreon entries. So thank you. Um, I'm sure next episode we'll pick up a couple people that came in like at the very end. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, um, since we're we're, we're so far in the future right now, the 23rd? it's still twenty twenty. Twenty third today. What is T- today? Today is the twenty third. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, let's talk about uh, <laughs> let's talk about you lovely Patreon people. It's your shout out time. Um, so check it out, guys. If you go to Patreon, you can um, basically fund the show like on a monthly basis. That's probably one of the best things you can do to help support us besides talking about the show and spreading the word. Um, there's a lot of great bonus content. There's like a show called The Dungeon Chats that you can check out. Um, it's like a me and Will kind of shoot the shit. We talk about backstage stuff or like Pokemon or mm-hmm. whatever it is on that we have on the mind. And we feel can carry a conversation for like 45 minutes, which me and Will are pretty good at, which is why we started the show. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, just like kind of harken back to the old days when we were working at night together. 
So let's see here. I'm going to pull up this list of Patreons, and we'll talk about them in a very like, um, like a, like a te- like a glowing testament. I'm gonna read it like this has some weight, like oh, fucking, because okay. we appreciate you guys so much. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna go back to November first. So sorry if you if you're gonna. Well, I guess I'm not. I don't need to. I don't know why I need to apologize for shouting people out twice. Yeah, I'm just trying to double up. And I'm sorry if we forgot you. Please reach out on uh, Patreon if we did. We'll get you caught up on the next one. I have a new system that we're going to use this year after this episode. So we're going to kind of smooth that out. Um, Will says it's a good idea. So I'm pretty sure it is a good good idea. idea. Anyway, uh, thank you, Travis S. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Odd Vascar. Thank you, Odd Vascar. Uh, thank you, IRTP. Thank you, IRTP. Yeah, these are familiar. Uh, thank you, Nick Farrell. Thank you, Farrell. Nick Farrell. I did that last time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> let's see. Thank you, Baka Senpai 69. Thank you, Baka Senpai 69. Nice. Uh, I probably did that last time too. Uh, thank you, Emmanuel Laplante. Thank you, Emmanuel. Uh, let's see here. Thank you, Riverside Odds. Thank you, Riverside Odds. <laughs> thank you, Dalton Lewis. Thank you, Dalton. Thank you, Lawrence Pilo. Thank you, Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you, Alex Hefner. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Nicholas Kloss. Thank you, Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, Nicholas Kloss, like uh... it's uh, it's it's got an H in there, and the Nicholas, oh, which I know isn't I always a I thing. I can see it from here. Yeah, and then uh, Kloss. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Kloss. Thank you, Anna Keeley. Thank you, Anna. Uh, thank you, Clark Dickey. Thank you, Clark. Uh, thank you, Thomas Galvin. Thank you, Tomas. Uh, thank you, Alexander Baker. Thank you, Alexander. Well, that's going to clear it up for Noviembre. Let's head up to Decembre and get it. Decembre. Decembre. Uh, okay. I'm at Decembre now. Here we go. Let's, nope, almost. Wait for it. Here we go. Uh, thank you, Dyslexic Catfish. Thank you, Dyslexic Catfish. Thank you, Michaela Lay. Thank you, Michaela. Uh, thank you, Lorenzo Bonetti. Thank you, Lorenzo. Uh, thank you, Carson Hardy. Thank you, Carson. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> Why does Carson get such a big... Well, because they... Uh, maybe I'll change it up to kind of... You know well, why. Well, thank you, Carson. Thank yeah, you. Ca- Carson, Carson, you get a little extra, buddy. Thanks for your <laughs> pledge. Um, <laughs> let's see... Uh, 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 thank you, Dan, uh, Dana. I almost said Dana. You did. It's definitely did. Dana. It's definitely Sorry, Dana. Dana. Thank you, Dana. Uh, Dana Soltis. Soltis. Like, Soltis. Like, uh, I'm going to go with S-O-L-T-I-S. I'm going to go with Soltis. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's see. Thank you, Kirkus Hera. Thank you, Kirkus. Um, thank you, Gillian Romero. Bam, 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 bam. Thank you, Gillian. Maybe I'll start doing that for people that come in sure, at this, at this yeah, level. Yeah, Thank you for sure. your for your patronage. We really appreciate it. I hope you enjoy your mug. It's a nice touch. Uh, and, and here we go, our latest and greatest. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, encourage, <laughs> I encourage this behavior. I, I 100% encourage oh, what you're about man, to hear. I can see that from here. If this is your jam, if this is your flavor, I'm not going to crush it. I'm not going to stomp on it or keep it out or wipe it up with a fucking, like, a fucking napkin. We're going to get uh, – we're going to get – thank you for your pledge. The Boundless Frenzy. Destroyer of all cute and fluffy. Great new one. Precocious verb. Thank you, verb. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, thank you very much. Please uh, please make me. This is your opportunity to make me read whatever. 
almost whatever. There, some people I've not read their thing because it was offensive. Uh, Don't gotcha, do offensive yeah, stuff. That's, yeah, no one. We won't read it if you do that. But no. thanks for the money, though. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, sure. I hope you guys are enjoying your bonus content. Please check out the Google Drive stuff if you are a patron. Um, get in there. Check out check out that uh, Dungeon Chats podcast I was talking about. It's pretty cool. People seem to like it. And check out all our live play, actual play stuff, whatever we call that. Um, pre-recorded Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, they're really good. They're really funny. If you like Super Quest Saga, especially, that's like going to be up your alley. Mm-hmm. And check if you're at the ten and up level. I uh, hope you enjoy your sticker and check out FBats. Definitely check out FBats. I think more people are starting to listen to FBats, and the glory is uh, yeah. The people word love FBats. The like, word of glory is being spread. It's it, like it's it, like a cult. Like the second someone, oh yeah, I'll give it a try. It's next thing you know, they're full convert, and everyone's. Uh, shouting from the rooftops. So uh, like, it must be good. It turns out a, a lot of, like, <laughs> at this point, there's like two or three years of stuff worth of FBAT. Uh, the, the campaign's been going on for a long time. That's true. It's a straight up campaign. There's what a whole other show in there. <laughs> what level are they? They're level 12 now or oh, 13. Man. Oh, yeah, wow. we, we got it. We were doing by two and we've uh-huh. now we slowed it to buy one oh, so because same thing as super quest. i don't really want to go past 16 same thing as super quest yeah because like <laughs> at that point what are we doing like right, there's right. like we're justice leaking it which i think is the next natural step for I the fbats so. world is sure. to ju- start justice leaking it at some right. point yeah um and yeah there's actually i decided to release the fbats stuff as canonical like that we recorded so because they're they're really good they have some audio problems which has made me sad but um you know the pandemic came and we had to make a lot of adjustments and um, we learned through failure on the dungeon cast. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we got pretty close. Like it was basically like this was before the first ranger danger. I tried to do a tester and that episode, I love it. It's just like, shit, man, Steve's audio is so bad. So sorry about that guys, but it's a really, really great episode. I think that was the most fun I've ever had re-listening to an F bats. Um, so I'm happy to get into the next one. Um, uh yeah, I need to get that done like next week. Well, with that <laughs> anyway, being said I think we could call it a game. Yeah, let's we call will it a game. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, guys. See you later. The Dungeon Cast. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.